Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Takedown. Today's guest is probably the coolest guy that you will ever follow on social media. He is a modern-day cowboy, uh, modern-day renaissance man, honestly. Uh, you can find him on YouTube under the name Trey Fry or on Instagram at Fry's Van. Good afternoon, Trey Fry. Hey, man. How's it going? It's going, man. I'm... Like I said, man, I'm super glad that uh, that I could get you on here, man. I I really want to talk about what you got going on. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I'd love to uh, share what's going on and see if I can shed some light on some things. That is awesome, man. So, okay, so your Instagram bio it says living in a car since 2016. So yeah, is this is this the van like the VW the van again since 2016? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Um, I basically, when I turned 17, um, I graduated high school and two hours after I graduated, I jumped in what was my land cruiser at the time and drove out to Washington state from Indiana. So, I mean, it was super long haul, especially in a land cruiser because you can only go like 55 miles an hour. Not that the van is any bit different, but, um, so you know, I get to Washington and I just see, you know, all sorts of different rigs that I've never seen before because I grew up in a super rural community um, on a corn and soybean farm. So, you know, there's like a whole lot of things that are very new to me. And um, I just met a guy with a Volkswagen Vanagon and he just looked so comfortable and I'm, you know, living in the back of my land cruiser. And I was like, uh, that might actually be a, a bomb switch to make. So I decided to go the Volkswagen route just because, um, you know, there's a lot of people that own Volkswagens and they kind of tend to be in the same crowd. You know, it's kind of like one big family, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, for me, it was like a really easy choice to move into the van. But, um, you know, it's like, all sorts of crazy little stories that you know happen now from you know just making that switch and um i mean moving into the van was like definitely the biggest move i've ever made in my entire life you know it was like when i took out my first loan um which was pretty crazy because i didn't ever foresee myself doing that because i've you know i try to distance myself from modern day society in a lot of ways, not every way, but um, generally most ways. What at what at seventeen like made you or gave you the idea to just jump in your your vehicle and kind of take off? Like was that kind of like your end of the wild moment? Um, yeah. So it's it's kind of funny because I had I had been into taking um, photos with film, like thirty five millimeter film, uh, for a pretty long time and. Then I kind of started moving like into using film and digital, and um, there was there was just like starting to be like a big online presence, you know, of people posting photos of the West, and um, you know, I just started looking into different places because I was like thinking about how much I loved spending time, you know, in the woods, just completely isolated, away from everybody, and um, from there it was just kind of like a spark, you know, I just started looking at all these different photos and was like, man, I have got to get out of here because honestly I'm, I'm back home right now and I'm 
surrounded by probably a quarter of a million acres of corn. Just currently. Very, just a very boring place to, to grow up or just kind of um, the, same, really, the same view? I mean, it's a really good place to grow up because everybody's very tight-knit. You know, everyone knows everyone. And even after four years, I can come back here and still hang out with people, um, you know, that I haven't seen since high school because there's not people coming in. Um, and there's honestly not really people going out either. So the crowd kind of stays the same. Um, yeah, it's just kind of uh, for me now coming home is bland in some ways, but it's always refreshing to get to see my family. Um because, you know, just growing up in such a small community, you can only get close with so many people, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm all, I've always been very family oriented. So, you know, it's kind of like a, like nine months in the woods, two months at home or like, you know, not two months, but like maybe like a couple weeks, honestly. And then I'm already fed up and I'm like, well, all right, time to go somewhere. So, time to fucking dip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you feel bad in some ways because it's like, dang, like everybody thinks that something crazy is going on here, you know, but it's like, I really just wish everybody here could see what we have out west, you know, just at yeah. least make it to the Great Divide. <laughs> I mean, your uh, your Instagram feed, I mean, it's it's absolutely beautiful. Like, you, you honestly, like, you make me want to pack my family up and just, and just head out west. I mean. It looks super good. What does your family yeah. think about the the living in the van thing? Well, so at first, like the initial thought was like, I I don't know if he's like thinking clearly, you know. But um, when I set my mind to something, like I'm going to do it, no matter who tells me not to, unless it is like the most prominent figure in my life, you know. Um, then I would maybe think twice about it. But generally, when I set my mind to something, it happens. And uh, I mean, they were they were definitely skeptical at first. You know, everybody here is very worried about things that honestly don't actually happen that often, but are on the local news, you know. Um, and it's kind of like this, it's kind of like this weird fear factor where, you know, people are like, oh, he wants to go out in the middle of the woods and be there by himself. Um, he's Like, he's going to get robbed or somebody's going to kidnap him or something like that, you know. Um, but like family honestly, looking out for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely looking out for me. Maybe maybe a little bit of overstep in some ways. But, uh, I mean, obviously I have not been kidnapped Um I haven't been robbed directly, but I've had people try to steal from me. Um, but, you know, everything worked out in the end. Like trying to steal from, like, your camp? Um, yeah, so I was actually in Springfield, Oregon, um, outside of town, because um, I was traveling from the Oregon coast out to central Oregon. And at the time, I had my, uh, my 1990 XT350 on the back kind of on like a uh, like a bike carrier rack type deal and I just you know remember I like woke up and it was dark and I'm like in my underwear you know and the van is kind of being like shaken back and forth just 
in very small, very minor ways. And uh, my dog, Cedar, just kind of started, like, puffing. And then she started barking, like, you know, she actually has, like, kind of intimidating bark. Um, and so I always have, like, my big-ass buck knife on my side. And so I, like, you know, pull it out of the holster, and I, like, stand up super slowly. And I, like, look down, and I'm like, dude, I'm in my underwear. This is not going to wind up well. <laughs> and so I just open the van door, and Cedar guns it out, dude. And you just hear this dude just, like, scream in pain. And I look, and there's just, like, enough moonlight that you can see what's going on. And Cedar is latched onto the back of this guy's thighs. Like, his, I think it was his left thigh. And he's trying to run, and, you know... I would say he made it like maybe 30 yards with her on, on his thigh. And then I called her back and she came back. Um, but I mean, it, it was pretty intense. Like, like honestly. Dog style. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But she's such a sweetheart. Like any other time, you know, the um, but, she looks so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Dude, super pretty dog. Um, it was, honestly crazy how I found her too because I it came back home uh, because I wanted to adopt a dog and you know somebody my sister had given me word that her friends had a border collie up for adoption and I was like well that would that would be good it'd be nice to have you know some other living thing in the van with me you know while I'm out um just just to kind of take a little bit of the isolation away, but, you know, still remain, um, I guess, engulfed in what I'm doing. And so I come back to Indiana, I fly back, and I go and, you know, this dog is super sweet. He's doing really great. His name's Bear. It's like a one-year-old border collie. And uh, he, he kind of started being a little skittish, but I thought that was maybe just because he was new to me. And, you know, I, when I was in high school, I took, um, like two years of dog training and obedience class, which is super random for what I do now. But, um, so I get the dog and I have a little video that I have to make maybe like an hour after I pick him up, take him there. And this lady goes to pet him and he just freaks out at like absolutely freaks and destroys this lady's hand and it i mean dude it was awful um so after that happened i was like well this isn't gonna work because you know like if i if i have to work you know like whatever months i have to work um it usually involves being around people and i just can't have that sort of liability so i unfortunately had to take him back and uh you know, which was a bummer because the whole reason I came back was to get this dog. And I'm, like, driving back to my parents' house because um, my flight is supposed to take off in a couple of days. Um, so I'm like, well, maybe I can just get an early flight back. And as I'm driving, Google Maps takes me through some super sketchy section of the city. And um, Cedar runs across the street. And I know she has, like, no collar or anything on. Um, But I'm always, you know, if I see a dog, which, I mean, I don't normally because I'm in the woods. But if I see a stray dog, I'll try to find the owners. Um, And 
so I get out and I'm trying to get closer, but she's just barking at me. Like I said, she has a pretty intimidating bark. And when she gets amped up, I mean, like, she's ready to go. She's ready to pound somebody. And uh, eventually, I wind up getting kind of close to her. And some guy comes out of his house and is like, hey, man, what what are you doing? You know, like I said, this is a super sketchy neighborhood. And uh, I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to do anything. Do you know any? Do you know anything about this dog? And he's like, well, we watched the car drop her off like six months ago. And so she's just been running around the streets ever since. Nobody took and, her uh, No, so the area that I found her in is extremely, like, low-income, poverty-stricken area. I guess. Um, because it's pretty sad. I mean, that area of the city of Marion is, you know, currently they're trying to fix a lot of what's going on there. But, you know, this was four years ago or three years ago. This is Marion, um, Indiana, yeah. Yeah, Marion, Indiana. Okay. Um, it's like a city of 30,000 people or, you know, some somewhere close to that. But um, so he was like, yeah, you know, somebody dropped her off. And I was like, well, dang, like, I'll take her, you know. And because I was like, well, I might as well give this a go because, you know, one dog has already completely – failed you know this mission is already a failure so. it's worth a shot at this point <laughs> yeah yeah and like once i started petting her she was super sweet was not skeptical at all and uh, so i still can't get her to come right up to me or let me like put a collar on her or anything like that and they're like well she really likes our baby and uh so they bring their baby out and she comes right up and i'm able to put a collar on her um, and the guy gave me a leash and, you know, so I put a post on Facebook, you know, just seeing if anybody was going to claim her, you know, I don't want to steal somebody's dog. And, uh, I mean, after like six or 700 shares and like a week, uh, nobody, nobody claimed her. So I was like, well, I guess you're going out West and, uh, bought her a ticket on a plane and she flew with me back out to Oregon. And you guys have been best friends ever since. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. She's, she's a sweetheart. I mean, it's super she, cool. like, she's she, with me through the thick and the thin for sure. Like it's almost like, like you found her as much as she found you. Like as cliche as that sounds like it's, it's kind of like, like you. Randomly, oh no, for sure. Yeah. You just randomly met your best friend one day. Like, it's, that's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. And, Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say just, I mean, everybody's always, you know, like looking to, you know, buy a dog or whatever. And it's just crazy. The dogs that you can find just roaming the street. So, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, what's really sad is like a lot of these dogs, like, like you found like, like an incredible animal. Like you found a companion, like a lot of these animals that are roaming the streets are incredible animals. They've just never been like given the chance, right. you know, it's all about the treatment. Oh yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, so you said something a second ago about work, right? So what is it? Yeah. What is it you do for work? You said you work two months of the year or, or... um, so work for me is pretty sporadic. Um, so technically I'm a commercial photographer or freelancer. Um, and what I do is I take photos for corporations or like small businesses, you know, generally within a, uh, like a specific group of like what their products or services are um you know because for me 
you know, like living in the outdoors is kind of like, you know, my favorite thing to do, the the most important thing to me. So I try to surround myself with companies and work with companies that share those same ideals. Um, But so I'll do like, um, you know, promotional videos, you know, Instagram is of course a uh, source of income, which is kind of weird to me in some ways it's like you know hey can you post this photo for us or like can you take a photo and then post it for us and i'm like oh yeah dude like i guess for sure you know um is that like the trask boots thing yeah yeah actually yeah so um the people at trask they're they're a bunch of super awesome people and they make some really nice boots i'm actually wearing them right now i honestly never take them off like i have one pair of boots that i actually wear i mean i have you know like if if there was like mileage on boots i would probably have somewhere close to like ten thousand miles on these boots they look really good like like a lot of people like you'll see you'll see people wearing like justin's or like Ariat's. like i'm not knocking like any other boots but like They'll be, like, super scuffed up, like, super rough looking. But yours are still, like, relatively, like, like clean. You know what I mean? Are you uh, are you looking at that, that last trash photo on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, from April? Yeah, so actually, those ones, um, so this is kind of funny because, you know, since I've been working with them, they really, they know exactly what I like in a pair of boots. Um, and since I've, you know, kind of went with the slip-on route, Um, I, I never want to put anything that has laces on again. And, uh, so how that works is they'll, you know, they'll tell me like, Hey, you know, these are kind of like what we're looking to, you know, showcase to people. And, um, so I'll have like a catalog to pick from and, you know, like this, that particular photo was like their spring catalog. And I'm, honestly like i like boots that i can destroy i'm super hard on boots um most boots will last like maybe six months with me before i'm through the sole do you wear and the heel out yeah they, they'll be gone the heel is I mean, always like, the first thing that goes on mine yeah yeah so like these ones are already getting wrecked i mean honestly i also have like I don't know what you would consider that, but, like, the ball of my foot is just, like, boot destroyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like you start going through the sole, and then, and then you start touching rubber every time you put them on. I know, dude. It's such a bummer. I'm like, somebody needs to make some, some, some like, lug soles out of steel for me, honestly. But, um, yeah, so, you know, they sent me two pairs of, they're not even boots. They're more like shoes that honestly I would never wear because I will only wear these particular boots. Um, but so that photo of me is me wearing, you know, shoes that I would never normally wear. Not that I don't think that they're like good, well made. It's just, you know, shoes are not, not my thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't even I don't even think it's necessarily like a style factor more just like the fact that if i drop something on my foot you know i want my boot to be able to stop it or if i'm like walking through briar or like any sort of thicket i just 
I don't want to worry about a thorn going through my shoe. Um, you know, just random stuff like that. But yeah, so it makes sense. And and Trask, like when you go on their website, like like they have some really awesome shit. Like like it seems like a really good company. Are they are they based out of like the uh, like out of the West, like Oregon? Like, uh, Washington? Yeah, so they're actually in Jackson, Wyoming. Um, so, and I I think that that's the reason why a lot of their stuff is bison. Like they have a lot of uh, boots that are made out of bison leather super durable but i mean yeah they're it's good stuff for yeah, sure they, they really are and like when you go on the website like the website just looks like it has like an aesthetic to it like it just looks fucking cool you know what i mean like the mountains like the mountain imagery and like the rivers and, and like it's a lot of like your instagram like like you truly are like the perfect spokesman for them <laughs> yeah uh yeah i mean that's kind of a goal you know is just find companies that um you you thoroughly enjoy what they do um, cause like, it would not make sense for me to advertise a company that makes like a modern salt and pepper shaker. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just yeah. things like that. Um, you know, so like when I'm working with a company, it's just like, honestly, and it maybe deters some work that I do, but, um, if like their product is not practical to my life, you know, if I, if, Right now, they were to send me their product, and I wouldn't immediately start using it. I generally don't want to work with them. Um, and it's nothing against anyone's stuff. It's more just I only have so much space, and literally everything in here has a use. Everything gets used. Um, and honestly, most of the stuff in here is super old, but it, you know, it's lasted, you know, a hundred years, and it works just as good as the new stuff. So with that being said, like, like because of a lot of what's in your van is kind of older stuff, and and you call you kind of are unplugged for the most part, right? So you don't do you watch TV? Do you do you listen to a lot of music? Like, what really goes on with uh, like your day to day? I guess. Um. So, I mean, my day to day right now, you know, as I sit here in Indiana, is a wee bit different than what it is. Um when I'm out west, but I guess I could tell you both. Um, so, like, currently my day-to-day is, you know, sleep out front of my sister's house in the van um, when it's super humid. I mean, it's abhorrently humid here. Um, and wake. so I wake up, I make coffee, I maybe listen to some Tyler Childers, like him, uh, Willie Nelson, Coulter Wall, so Tyler, um, Tyler Sergio Childers Simpson. is by far the best. I didn't mean to cut you off, but Tyler Childers is the best no, you're good. right now. Like yeah, dude. I mean, he he really he's you know he's putting songs under his belt, and you know what he what he's doing is different. It's not like your normal type of country, which um, generally like you know I grew up listening to what is considered like modern country, and now I listen to it. There's, like, some Tim McGraw songs that I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that's good, you know. But most of it is, you know, pretty awful. Like, if you have to talk about how country you are, you're probably not that country. Um, Fuck you, but Tyler, Yeah, yeah. Tyler Childers, though, I mean, his stuff is incredible. I really like to play a lot of his stuff on I'm, guitar. You know? I'm from, it's uh, like, we're from, like, the same area in the Appalachian Mountains, like, myself and Tyler Like, Childers. Paintsville area? Well, I'm actually, I'm from Damascus, like Abingdon, like 
probably like an hour and a half to two hours from Gatlinburg, which I seen you were you were there not too long ago, right? Yeah, I was actually I was in Gatlinburg maybe a week and a half ago. Um, well, not technically in Gatlinburg. I went over there um, and was like, holy cow! Like, you know, there's way too many people here to be here right now. And uh, so I went back across the national park and was hanging out in Townsend, which is, you know, advertised as like the peaceful side of the Smokies. Um, but yeah, so that's crazy. I actually, I had no idea that I was that close to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I live in Jacksonville, Florida now, but I grew up in, uh, in the Appalachian Mountains in, in uh, like Bristol, Virginia, Bristol, Tennessee, Bristol, Virginia. Um, so it's like a, around the same area that, that he's from, like that, that little Appalachian area. And like a lot of the right. stuff that he writes about is like day to day life, like for us, like people who grew up there and, and people who are still living there. And that's why, like, I think he's blown up so much is because like he's kind of gave a voice uh, for people who didn't have one before, I guess. You know what I mean? Like coal miners yeah. being laid off and, and people from this way right. of life. And, and yeah, we, we super appreciate Tyler Childers. <laughs> yeah, no, I like, you know, I'm curious, though, because. So where I grew up, you know, like I said, it's very rural. Um, but, you know, growing up, we'd actually, like, burn coal in a stove to, you know, that was, like, the way that we'd heat our house. And so a lot of people would go down to Kentucky, buy coal, and, um, you know, bring it back up. And so I'm, I'm just really curious, I mean, what, what was that like? Like, it, uh, you know, it was really kind of weird. living in a coal town. Because, like like when I turned 18, like I got a job in one of the, like one of the warehouses in town and people were driving from like 30 minutes to like an hour away every single day to go to work because all the mines got shut down. And these are, right. and these are 35, 40, 45 year old men, like, like not young men by any, by any stretch of the, the imagination, right. but certainly old. They already have black lung. Yeah. 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 And they're, they're coming and they're starting fresh in these new jobs. And honestly, like it was kind of sad, man. Like, like seeing these guys come in at, at in I, I don't I don't like using the term like entry level positions but essentially like entry level positions when they were fucking managers of like a, a, a coal mine and, and you know what I'm saying like they were right like they were full coal operation like yeah, and they're coming in as fucking uh like 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 bag boys <laughs> well like like truck unloaders you know like not knocking truck right. unloaders but you know they were it was essentially right i mean job. in comparison to what they were doing yeah yeah yeah. and, and they're taking a but, hell of a pay cut they're driving an hour away i mean it's it's super sad but but those areas tend to get they tend to get really bogged down with like um like drugs like i, I remember like when i was growing up they said that our area was like the number one area um in like the the east coast for like drugs like methamphetamine and shit just because it was like a poor like little mountain town and that was all that right. anybody really had going on. And even fucking two weeks ago, there was a huge bust back home. And I, I recognize like fucking six names out of 40 people that they busted. I mean, it's, it's fucking unreal. Right. It's, yeah, dude. It is, it is crazy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and, um, you know, I know this, you know, from experience, just people in my hometown, but a lot of, um, like amphetamines actually, come from Kentucky, you know, or like Chicago to Indiana. And there's like a, there's a huge problem with it here, man. You know, so I definitely know what you're talking about. Like that, you know, seeing people that you know, 
um, getting arrested or whatever, you know, like I get back into service and I'll look at my phone and, you know, like three people that I know have like overdosed, you know, and it's just absolutely crazy. Um, it's, it's so crazy for you. Just wouldn't, go ahead. I, I was just going to say you like, you wouldn't ever imagine that happening, you know, in your hometown until it does. It's so crazy. Like, cause you go to school with these people. So essentially like, you grow up seeing these people every day or or maybe you'll go two months in the summertime without seeing them and then right back to it and you do this for fucking you know until you're 18 years old and then i moved away as soon as i turned 18 my family had business down here and and i moved away and i'll go back for like you know family reunions or just you know my friends get married you know weddings or funerals you know and right i'll walk in like a like a gas station like pumping gas and I'll see somebody I graduated with or somebody I went to school with and they don't have like a tooth in their head or, or, you know, they're just sunk in eyes, you know, it's, it's fucking sad, man. Like people you grew up with. Go Definitely. Out. I mean, like, then also, you know, the, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with just the general poverty rates of those areas too, because I mean, as soon as, as soon as the mines left, you know, a lot of the towns in, you know, West Virginia, Kentucky, um like you know that you know kind of tri-state area um became you know super poverty stricken and makes it really hard to get out you know it really does and and that's when you see like these really poverty stricken areas like they have they have the drugs problem like you know they'll have problems with uh with amphetamines and stuff you know like you know not to use the term poor man drugs but essentially that's what it is it's poor man drugs you know that's Right. I mean, everybody's kind of trying to find like a way to escape reality is kind of, kind of what I take from it, you know? Um, Like a way to cope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Because, I mean, here in my hometown, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, well-paying jobs. I mean, minimum wage is like seven twenty-five, as I'm, I'm sure it probably is in Kentucky, West Virginia area but i mean it's just yeah it's crazy to see the um what's the word like the uh evolution of like what happens in these small towns especially when the big businesses leave you know yeah or see in the town that i'm from like like i said right there on the virginia the tennessee uh border and they're just now starting to get like these big stores kind of coming in and they'll build like these these like bass pros and then like cabela's and then they'll put like a bunch of stores around it and then everybody kind of it's like they flock to these places and they're they're like okay yeah our town's getting better but we still have a fucking drug problem or but we still have an unemployment problem it's like you it's like you're not focusing on the actual problems at hand you know and that's what's super right yeah definitely and i mean like um a lot of, you know, a lot of places like this, so we have a town, like I was saying, we have a city next to us called Marion, and um, there's a mall there that, I mean, there's like stores in and out all the time. The mall probably has three stores in it total. I mean, it's a big-ass fucking building, but, you know, just over time, it's like, you know, people don't make enough money to spend money at these places, mm-hmm. um, which is really sad, you know, but... Like, so all these new businesses coming in, it kind of, it kind of in some ways makes no sense because nobody's actually, 
really making enough to, you know, go and put a bunch of money into these stores. And then the stores wind up closing. And so it's just kind of like this repetitive um, circle, you know. Yeah, like a it's vicious kind of a, cycle. A, yeah, it's a pretty sad thing. It, uh, Definitely. It's, it's so weird, man, because I, I love where I grew up, but I wanted to leave because it was just it – was, it was changing from, like, where I grew up, you know. And, uh, right, I, absolutely. I didn't, I didn't want to start a family there, man. And if they were, if they could clean up the the drug problem and and take care of those people, I would love to move back, man. Because I absolutely love the mountains. But um, it right, just, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel at home there anymore. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, <clears throat> that's like, man, that's honestly one of the toughest things I've come to like recognize is, you know this is home because of the people here. It's not home because of the place. Exactly. But, you know, growing up here, you know, we have a lot of, you know, small acreage woods that are spread out over like, you know, here's a, here's a one acre, you know, woods here. And then, you know, a mile and a half and, you know, another set of woods. And I mean, it just goes on and on, but, um, you know, I spent most of my time growing up here, you know, going out, setting fish traps in the river and, um, you know, running around with my buddies, skipping school to go, you know, sneak into somebody's woods and, you know, camp out, you know, like build a shelter and stuff like that. You know, we'd like run around with our pellet guns and, you know, try to hunt while we were out. and Popping squirrels. Um, and... Yeah, yeah. Popping squirrels and snakes and what not trying literally like anything that you could you know because you're like man if i ever need to survive you know i need to know how to clean a beaver you know or just whatever it is <laughs> so, uh, so you you've been into like uh like the survivalist stuff and like like being a cowboy like you've been into that like your whole life then yeah yeah i mean definitely it's i i've been through a lot of phases in my life um for sure like you know, at one point in my life, I was the, like, scooter kid at the skate parks, you know? Um, the scooter, it's like, like the Razor scooter? I mean, not, yeah, like a Razor scooter in a way, but we're talking, like, like a $600 scooter with, like, pegs on it, you know oh, what I mean? okay, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying now, yeah. Um, you know, like, you know, while that's super lame, but, I mean, power to anybody that continues to do it. No, man, um, it's, it's cool, man. <laughs> It, yeah. it, it like yeah. made you who you are you know yeah yeah for sure i mean it's just like you know i went through so many phases growing up but the one thing that i always came back to was you know spending time in the woods my grandpa was um you know big in wyoming bondurant wyoming you know like pushing cattle hunting and uh just kind of like living off the land and so that was always like my biggest inspiration and um you know so it's kind of like no matter what I get into, I always wind up finding my way back to just, you know, being in the woods and being self-sustainable. And, uh, honestly, like I would, I would love to just go into the woods and never come out, you know, but unfortunately it doesn't work that way. Uh, I mean, it can, and at some point here in the near future, that's how it's going to be for myself, you know, like, I've got um, this insane horse trip planned um, with a buddy of mine. And so, you know, like today, um, 
I was kind of trying to get some stuff together for that because it's like this insane, very complex logistical mission to just figure everything out, um, you know, in terms of what. Oh, Trey, I think I lost you there for a moment. Um, you said it was like crazy, like a crazy uh, horse trip mission? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's like a very, uh, to a lot of people, it's super far-fetched. Um, but essentially what me and my buddy Cody are going to be doing is um, we're going to be on horseback for approximately 3,000 miles. Um, it's a long journey, I mean, for sure. And we're going to have some hurting asses, um, uh, but I'm, I'm super stoked. So essentially, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, what gear we need. And so today I like went and I, you know, got a new pistol specifically for this trip because the whole thing is kind of us just trying to, um, like fully live off the land and get a idea of, you know, what it was like back in the old western days um so you know it's going to just be a lot of a lot of hunting a lot of fishing a lot of being very uncomfortable um but you know with like all the crazy corona stuff going on um you know it's kind of been put on halt um until we can get some horses and you know that's that's honestly the the biggest uh setback because we're going to need at least three horses a piece, two to three horses a piece. And, um, I mean, honestly, like two is kind of pushing it, mm-hmm. but, uh, so just like go from Bend, Oregon is where we're going to start there in central Oregon and then go to, um, kind of like the Boise, Idaho area up to Stanley, Idaho, which is the sawtooth mountain range. I mean, it's got a lot of, you know, Real, it's really heavy elevation. Um, cut across Idaho into Montana, and go to Glacier National Park right up to the Canadian border, and then go back south again to Jackson, Wyoming, and then um, through Utah, um, and just kind of like trying to stay, you know, in the national forest the whole time. Just, um, I mean, it's it is an insane amount of planning. I can't even. Expect and it's really just based around getting the horses and um, training them and you know like Cody and I we both have some stuff to figure out um, because neither one of us have been on a trip you know that's long like that and so I mean there's some mental preparedness which like I'm ready to go if somebody dropped a couple horses in front of me I would be more than stoked to take off right now you know it's but it's a lot. It's definitely a lot to think about. Are you going to YouTube, like, the whole thing? Like, are you going to take power banks with you and, and charge and, and film the whole thing? Or is it just going to be unplugged, like, you and you and your friend and your horses kind of versus the world? Yeah. I mean, so that's that's kind of – man, that's really tough because that's one thing that I still have to figure out um, because I love documenting – you know, everything that I do and I love sharing it with people as mm-hmm. uh, people tend to think the things that I do are like crazier than what the average person would be doing at the time. Um, but I don't know real, I don't realistically know if I could 
like if maybe bring feasible. all the yeah i don't know how feasible it is but you know we've looked into having like a production crew come for parts of the trip you know maybe be there for like 10 days out of the eight months or something like that so i mean you know there's a lot of stuff that they're you know that they would not be able to uh you know capture but just at least you know kind of have that bit of memory to show what was going on because you know um you know photography is like a really awesome format but something like this trip i would be way stoked to have you know video of it and um i i also just i have this weird thing where i really um the things that i really enjoy photographing are my own lifestyle not from like a um what's the word what what like not from like a self-centered perspective but oh, I, just, I, I, yeah. you know yeah but that just like you know these are like the things that i want to show and it's just like the things that i'd normally be doing in my daily life and so if it was me recording myself i think that maybe it would take away from the trip for myself whereas if i just have somebody following us you know then i can just continue to you know be myself and just do exactly what i would be doing um otherwise you know it makes a lot so of sense it's kinda, yeah it's, it's definitely like a big decision to make though because once you're in it you're in it and it's not like you can really go back and be like oh man you know i decided i want to go get my camera and we're you know like 800 miles away on horseback or even you know like 200 miles away you know no, that's even, just like even 50 would be absolutely terrible <laughs> yeah i mean that that's like two days worth of riding you know um because we're only going to be looking to put in like 15 or 20 miles a day um, which in some situations might be pushing it so you should, you should pitch uh you should pitch that as like a show to, to history or discovery and I guarantee somebody would follow you and, and be all yeah. over that. Yeah, exactly. So I've been, I have been working towards, um, you know, creating a pitch deck and I've talked to a couple of people about it. Um, and there are a couple of companies that, you know, are saying that they're interested in it, but at the same, I'm just trying to find like a good balance, right? Because, uh, the way that I like to live my life is, I just like to live it and not really feel like anything is impeding on my experience, which is life, you know? And so yeah, if no boss, depending, right. Not even necessarily no bosses, but just nothing to take me away from the moment that I'm in, mm. you know? And that's like something that I've always kind of struggled with, with photography is, you know, like there's these beautiful moments going on around you and you want to be able to capture them all. But at the same time, it just takes away from the actual experience itself and, like, what you're going to remember. Um, there's, like, a statistic or something. Um, this is definitely going to be an incorrect number, but it's, like, 50% of people that take a photo while something is happening don't remember what happened, mm -hmm. you know, like, without looking at the photo. Um, I've seen some so, sort of statistic about concerts when people film or, like, take photos at concerts. Right. Yeah, dude, exactly. I mean, it's the same, it's the same exact thing, you know? So like when I, I went to a Willie Nelson concert, um, it was actually the first concert I ever went to and it was sick. You know, Willie was lighting up on stage and I was, 
the only 20 year old there i swear to god and um it, it's probably it the was coolest just like, first concert ever yeah dude it was insane i mean he's like 85 he was 85 at the time you know but he was like still kicking it still you know smoking on the stage i mean it was it was actually really awesome um you know and i actually had this crazy experience with him um so you know like i said i'm the only young person there that's that's probably i'm the only person there that's like under 35 (laughs) maybe under 40 you know maybe some people just look younger but um so everybody's sitting in their lawn chairs they brought in and willie's like lighting one on the stage and then the crowd lights turn on and everybody's sitting down and i just stand up and i'm like willie you know and i got my bandana on and i just like throw him a deuce and he just like looks around for a second as he's like lighting this joint and then like throws one back at me (laughs) and it was the most insane experience i would have paid a thousand dollars for that to happen again um so you know if willie's listening i mean there's a business pitch for him just give him personal interactions with people and he could make more money (laughs) but uh he's essentially like one of the last cowboys yeah yeah i mean he's definitely he's like one of the last you know voices in outlaw country which has had a huge effect on me you know which um, was kind of why I had to go to his concert. Um, I enjoy his stuff way too much to not spend ninety dollars to go see him. So, um, and you know, like Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, like you know, they're all they're all gone. Um, you know, I think you know Chris Christopherson is still around. Um, you know, like the guys that you know made the group. Um, so the highwayman. The highwayman. The highwayman yeah. was one of yeah. my first albums that I ever had. Yeah, dude. Right. That, I mean, like it's timeless. It, it just, it constantly resonates. Um, just never gets old ever. So we were talking like a, a minute ago about like, your day to day. Um, and then we we kind of got like sidetracked. But do you like do you buy a lot of groceries or or are you mainly like eat what you kill kind of? I seen the, um, I seen the turtle earlier the, the yeah yeah soft shell turtle yeah, yeah. so uh, it's usually not my I usually would not choose to eat turtle not that I don't think it it's good or you know anything related to the meat just more the fact that I genuinely like turtles they're just like a something you don't actually see that often even though there's a lot of them around. You know what I mean? Um, so I I do grocery shop, you know, and I just try to buy, you know, like either canned foods or, um, you know, like stuff that'll last a while and then pair that with um, whatever I can hunt, you know. So I like I like to hunt jackrabbits a lot, um, cottontails, squirrel. Um, you know, each year I try to get a deer. Um, like this year, you know, was – pretty crazy and a first for me but I had ran out of deer and then I was driving through Oregon um, out at this spot called the Crooked River Ranch and a car in front of me actually smoked a deer and there's a law in Oregon where you can pick up roadkill and you know I like went and checked it out to make sure there were like no broken bones on it or anything like that 
and it wasn't like you know so it wasn't going to be like very bruised or mm-hmm. um you know just like nasty Same. and so i just like contacted the state police and you know they sent a guy out to like look at it you know i got a permit and took it and wound up with uh like 60 pounds of meat um, and that lasted me for maybe like you know like four or five months um I have this problem where when I have a lot of something, I, like, tend to use it because I'm like, oh, I got so much of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so deer, especially, like, venison is so awesome, dude. I could eat venison literally any time of the day. Oh, it's the like, best meat that you can eat. Yeah. You do venison, mashed potatoes, boom, dude. Like, I mean, you're set. Yeah, like you, you know, and that was kind of one of the – that was kind of one of the things that – blew my mind when i caught that turtle so i i had a couple of um catfish catfish nets set out and i came back to check on them you know and there was like a couple of minnows in there and i was like well maybe that'll attract you know like catfish to come in and eat the minnows well i go back check the trap and there is a soft shell turtle in there and i'm like oh like i get it you know i gotta put this guy back and um he was dead you know it, it had maybe probably been like four or five hours since i had checked the trap and so unfortunately i think he drowned which definitely saddens me because um, though i hunt and hunting is you know one of my absolute favorite things to do out of out of uh, necessity um i still don't i really care about the way that i like take game you know what i mean yeah um and so I was bummed that the turtle drowned. So I was like, well, I have to use this. You know what I mean? Waste and it turns out that, much. yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, you saw that. I mean, um, but it actually blew my mind that soft shell turtle is actually like one of the most looked for meats like in the meat market because there's supposedly 17 different cuts of meat within a turtle. Holy shit. Um, I know, which is which is super wild, and you know, so I was kind of like, man, this might taste a little fishy. Which generally I don't care if something tastes fishy, but you know, I wasn't sure about turtle, um, you know, or at least this turtle, just because it was out of the uh, Mississippi River, which is a, you know, like we have mud bottom rivers here in Indiana, and they just don't look clean. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they're they're healthy, you know, for for now but um great for catfish yeah super good for catfish that's the only that's like one of the only things i miss when i go out west because i could set out catfish traps all day and literally just live off of fried catfish have you ever went noodling and just um yeah actually um so it's pretty funny that you brought that up because i i was when i was in tennessee I had a couple of friends with me that were from California, you know, and they're, they're city girls. And so they, you know, like we went out on a canoe and like, they're like not paddling. I'm the only person paddling. I'm like, Hey, have you ever been on a canoe? Like everybody (laughs) has to paddle, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, so I am kind of like feeling around in some holes, you know, uh, because I was hoping to catch a catfish. And they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm noodling. And, you know, of course, they didn't know what that was. But um, one of the girls, um, Gabby, she was, you know, like pretty, 
pretty straightforward and was like, okay, I want to try, you know? And I was like, okay. She was like, well, what are the risks? And I was like, well, a snapping turtle might take your fingers off, but <laughs> it's probably not going to happen, you know? And she was like, dang, well, all right, I'll still go for it. And so I gave her the glove and, you know, she started poking around in some holes, like obviously super nervous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, it is, it is kind of nerve, it is kind of nerve wracking. Like no, nobody can say that it's not. Oh, it's terrifying. If you, yeah, if you, if you reach in there and a 40 pound snapper grabs your hand, like, like oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're losing you know, finger. yeah, for sure. And, like, I have a buddy that's lost a finger from noodling, so, you know, I've always been kind of cautious, and, but at the same time, like, it's so fun that you just kind of have to go for it. Um, when I was but, growing you know, up, like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I feel like, no, you kinda, good. I feel like we kind of grew up in, like, like, almost, like, the same kind of area. Um, so yeah, like when I, was growing I get up, that. When I was growing up, I used to be told, like, if a snapping turtle bites you, it won't let go until the thunder uh, claps. Did you ever hear that? No, no. Ex explain that. I'm it, curious. It it must just be like an old like an older mountain thing. But, but there used to like my grandma used to tell me she's like, don't get bit by a snapping turtle or it won't let go until it hears thunder. And I I never understood what it meant. I was like, oh, it doesn't really sound correct, but but sure. I didn't know if it was like a like a thing that you had heard too. Or... No, honestly, like yeah, I love I love like the old super random like quotes that everybody uses around here like oh, yeah. around here everybody constantly says like oh like she's mad as a wet hen you know oh, yeah. uh you know just like i'm yeah i'm sure you're familiar with that one yeah I, I love those i don't know what you would call them like i guess like old anecdotes but i super love them yeah um, yeah definitely so, so in, in tennessee i didn't mean to cut you off again but did you guys actually get a catfish like from noodling uh no no so um i mean I honestly didn't, so I threw my line out a couple of times, because we were camping right on the uh, riverbank. I threw my line out a couple of times, and um, the only thing that was in there was, I mean, there were some rainbow trout, which was super rad, um, a couple of sunfish, but I mean, no catfish, which was a huge bummer. I, I even took it upon myself to go noodle alone for a little bit. And still didn't really come up with anything. I don't know if it's something to do with the water temps, you know, with the water coming straight out of the Smokies. But I but, never thought yeah. about that actually. Yeah, well, because I mean, you know, I went swimming in the river here the other day, and the water is probably like seventy-five to eighty degrees, if I had to guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, down there, I mean, the water is probably closer to like fifty. Um, and I don't think that catfish, you know, enjoy that. Yeah, that's, I don't, I don't know, I, I would assume not, because they stick, like, typically, like, the bottom of, of water. Right. Where the temperature would be different, so. Right, and I, I think it's also got to be, like, a pretty muddy river, like, when I think catfish, I just think, you know, like, right. wallowing in filth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's something that, like, you know, you can't even see through, like, half an inch of, like, any time I think of catfish. I, uh, the last, one of the last times I was actually in Virginia, one of my, one of my really good buddies, actually my brother-in-law took me, uh, catfishing. We ended up catching like 11 in one night. And, really? Uh, yeah, and we, we threw them all back because, you know, I'm not, um, 
I'm not like a huge fish person. Like I, I like some fish, but I'm like super picky about the fish I eat. I guess I like catfish nuts, yeah. but like only like I gotta have like ranch. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, man, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> ranch? <laughs> are you you're you're probably you're probably not a picky eater, are you? Uh, no, I mean not not generally. Um, oh, I'm super I mean, picky. <laughs> there's there's some things like I'm definitely like a very biscuits and gravy type of guy. Like meat and potatoes is what people refer to me as, you know. Because um, cool I'll like, I'll go camping with my friends and uh, they'll they'll be like, oh, like I don't know if they'll eat this. It's either like a too spicy or too gourmet, you know. I'm like, I'll always try something, but like if it's spicy, I can generally say that it's gonna it's gonna be out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like some things with food that, you know, like a lot of times now people will take something that's like perfectly good, just like a normal egg sandwich with butter on the bread, you know. And, and then throw like, on it. yeah, I uh, see. I could do that. Avocado, I absolutely love. But it's like when you take that and then they're like, all right, let's put some strawberry jam on it, you know. And I'm like, yeah, like those things don't really go together, you know. Like strawberry jam on toast, yes strawberry jam with an egg on bread no see I, you know there's i like avocado but i feel like it's being put on too many things i feel yeah i mean like i feel like avocado is kind of like the neutralizer you know so anytime that i have anytime i can get my hand on some avocados i will for sure um i really like making kind of like burritos in a way um i'll just either like make up some tortillas or you know if i buy some i'll just take avocado itself and like whatever meat i have you know so the other day i did i did some avocado with a little bit of venison and just put it in a tortilla and it's honestly insane this is like like kind of like fried avocado in a way but i mean like pan fried you know not like deep fried that sounds absolutely incredible. Are you? You seem like you're actually a really good cook. I don't know about that. I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely heard it from a couple of people, but I think that that just comes from like having the sometimes like what you would consider like the weirdest ingredients. You know, like oh, like I have squirrel, some morel mushrooms, and pancake mix or something like that. You know what I mean? So I like to bake my own bread and stuff like that. So. Um, like I definitely eat some some kind of out there uh, mixtures of things because say I don't have like enough of one ingredient to make solely that you know I like like the other day um, I had a small venison steak and but it wasn't like enough to just eat on its own you know mm-hmm. so I like, just cut it up put it into a thing of mashed potatoes that I made and I mean it pretty solid i'm trying to come up with ways to be able to grow my own food without it being super um kind of like what's the word i don't know like try to find a way to grow those vegetables on my van like on the but i don't know if i yeah exactly but i don't really know how that would work because if i have to like drive somewhere or you know a lot of times like driving down um the forest road most of the roads that I decide to go down are pretty shitty so that I won't see anybody, you know? And um, so I could just imagine, like, 
me having these like tubs of potatoes or something mm-hmm. planted on the side of my van going down a forest road just getting like absolutely destroyed you know so i don't know if anything really has a chance of growing on my van i wonder if you could do like a um like you could make your own little flower bed just like a little i don't know like maybe like a foot wide by maybe two feet long maybe like a three right. inch, like a three to four inch depth and just fill it full of right. soil and just you could pull it out and put it in the sun and put it back i don't i don't know yeah yeah i mean like there's there's options for sure i just you know i've got a couple of flower boxes um right underneath the windows on the high top of the van and they're maybe like three and a half inches deep and i put some i put a couple of like small um pines in them Mm -hmm. and like a juniper and like some other stuff you know um and driving down the highway I mean, like they're they're gone. They're not they're not even there anymore. <laughs> so, so really you know, quick, like, so really yeah. quick, for for people who actually haven't seen your van, um, can you kind of like describe that like for a second, like kind of like the setup that you got? Because it's actually yeah it's yeah really fucking cool. Yeah, so it's a uh, 1986 Volkswagen Vanagon, um, originally a Westphalia, um, which is. So it was like a weekender edition. So it had like a uh, a couch that went the whole width of the van, and like a little fold up table. But I kind of took all of that apart, took the pop top roof off, and built a wooden high top on it. So it's got more of the you know like wood wooded feels you know um, feel to it. It's you know like that I really enjoy. Wheels. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like a cabin on wheels. You know, I have a wood stove. I have, um, like, a propane burner from 1926. Um, I have running water and solar. Um, So, you know, I have lights everywhere, the ability to, you know, like, charge things. Um, I have a fridge. And, I mean, like, literally almost everything in here is made out of wood um, entirely. Um, But, you know, I have, like, a little wooden chair that I'll like use kind of as like my dining room I guess you would say I mean like it's kind of you know like earlier today I got stopped by some people who wanted to see what it looks like on the inside and it's a super fast like one room tour you know like Mm -hmm. kitchen bedroom sink heat I mean you know it's it's all just super open like you know people expect some very in-depth tour of everything you know it's more just like the stories behind each item that i have in here because you know like i was saying i don't i don't have anything that i don't need you you, know you sleep on the top no so originally i did sleep up top but i'd wake up in the middle of night you know because i don't know like maybe i'd hear some coyotes around the van or something like that Mm -hmm. and you know not that that's a problem it's honestly like super normal um for coyotes to be within like five or six feet of the van but i'd like hear them sit up slam my head on the roof and i just got tired of that so i ripped the top bed out and put in uh kind of like a gun cabinet um where i just you know keep all my hunting stuff and like my bow and yeah exactly stuff like that um so i sleep on the bottom the couch pulls out into bed and then it runs the whole like 
I'd say it's probably like half the length of the van. The van is 16 feet long. Um, so it's, it's honestly, it's probably like a six and a half foot long bed and I'm six foot. So it's kind of, kind of perfect, you know, where like, if you want to hang off, you can hang off. But if you want to just not, then you have that comfortability too. So that's actually, that's, I'm, I'm glad you actually mentioned, you said you're six feet. Can you stand fully up in the van? Yeah, yeah. So actually, the van has six foot six standing room, which is kind of crazy. And I don't know if when we were building it, it was meant to be this tall, but it works out fine because you can like, you know, put your hands up and almost fully um, like stretch out. You know, stretch. Yeah, yeah. You can almost fully expand your arms out. Which so is who who kind helped of you? Nice. Who helped you build this? You said when we built it. Yeah, yeah. So um. When I was in Oregon, you know, I had the idea of putting a wooden high top on the van because, you know, I had been living in it for two years and I just hated not being able to stand up if it was raining or something like that because the canvas of the old top would get wet and then get moldy. Um, So I was in Bend, Oregon, and I have a bunch of buddies there that all have buses, you know, like 70s Volkswagen buses and they're all super interesting. Like we've all, you know, built ours out differently and every, every person's bus has like its own personality, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, guys, like, this is what I want to do, you know? And the next day I sold the top and we went to Lowe's or Home Depot and just bought everything. You know, I probably spent like close to two grand buying stuff and we didn't have like any blueprints. We didn't know what it was going to look like. We just went for it, and um, so my buddy Jacob Callahan was a huge hand in helping. My buddy Eli Putrin, um, Drew Dixon, uh, Matt Green, um, Daniel Magiora. I, I mean, like, there's there were so many people involved. Whitney Whitehouse. There, you know what I mean? I just feel like I owe everybody kind of a shout out because even though I was kind of like leading this whole thing, everybody was just completely hands-free and they were like you know like where do you where do you need us to go what do you need us to do um so at one point we had like 12 people working on it which is awesome for speed but in some ways not everyone's on the same same you know level yeah Yeah, exactly yeah like something there's like a couple of little things that i look at and i'm like why did we do that you know what i mean like I have like the tiniest strip of cedar tonguing groove running across the top um, where there's like like right next to a bunch of full boards. And I just don't understand how that happened, you know. But at the same time, like I'm not in it for perfection. I'm in it for practi- uh, practicality. practicality yeah. And yeah, exactly. And so, um, I mean, it it works out really awesome. You know, like I'm standing up in it right now. I'm stretched out, you know, like it's nice. Um, and it actually, the the conversion from pop top to high top is really what I think turns a van from a van into a home, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, uh, I look at the pictures, man. I'm, I'm really jealous because I, I'm actually a huge VW fan. Um, and I love, yeah. I love the Westphalias and I love the Vanigans, man. I, you know, I've got a wife and a daughter, and we have a dog, and I would love to 
buy a van and then put like as much time as I can into to fixing it, and then hopefully that be our vacation instead of you know fucking booking a flight and then booking a hotel room and then flying here and staying right. somewhere for a fucking week. You know, just just fucking taking off. Yeah, absolutely. Just exploring <clears throat> because those are the memories that. Like those are the memories like my daughter's gonna have. Like, oh, we didn't we didn't fly to Costa Rica and spend a week taking photos. We drove from Florida to Maine and and back. You know what I mean? Like that's just it's right. That's the kind of shit that I want her to, to grow up with. And and uh, I'm super I'm super jealous, man. Like I I love the way that your van looks. I I love hearing about your life and I love uh, scrolling through your Instagram, man. Like. It's probably the coolest fucking thing ever, and ah, <laughs> dude, uh, you're you're literally you're you're one of the last fucking true cowboys, man. Hot <laughs> man, I appreciate that. And I honestly though, with you being in the Volkswagen, man, if you get a van again, like I mean, right now the prices for vans are stupidly high. Oh yeah. But you know, if you get one, there's honestly not a better community to involve yourself with. I mean. Um, you know, like I've met so many awesome people through this van and, you know, just them having a Volkswagen and there's literally like, there's nothing that I can think of in my life that can match that. You know, like all of my best friends have come from this van and them having vans or buses or, you know, whatever it is like the Volkswagen people are just a big family, you know, like. If I were to break down somewhere and a van again were to drive past me, like I, I can guarantee like 95% of the time they will turn around and come see if they can help you, you know, and if they can't like help you fix, you know, whatever issue you're experiencing, they'll offer you a spot to sleep or a, you know, a place to fix your rig, you know, yeah. it's like this super crazy, um, like really kind and genuine group of people i uh see i'm i'm part of the uh the harley davidson family now and i'm noticing like more and more online because i'm in so many groups you know like swip swap groups like buying different parts and shit um and i'm noticing like the harley like the harley family is a lot like that too um which is super fucking awesome man that that like a fucking an old machine can bring you closer to like people around you you know what i mean like that's just right super intriguing to me and and uh I seen not too long ago you were you're wrenching on a uh, a fifteen hundred, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, um, I have a um nineteen eighty Honda XL five hundred S, and it's um, it's definitely like a little bit of a labor of love, you know. Uh, yeah. Actually, the bike was given to me by a buddy of mine for my birthday, which was pretty wild. Um, but he had just bought it and his second day owning it got rear-ended on it and then parked it for like three or four years, something like that. Yeah, I know. Especially like it was his first time ever like riding a bike. Was he okay? And yeah, he was fine. You know, he didn't have insurance or anything. So he like took off, you know, and the, the person's car was completely fine, but you know, the bike kind of got a little pushed in. And so I've been spending my time, you know, fixing that. And now it's to the point where, like, completely street-worthy. I've got it plated, you know, like, new turn signals, exhaust, paint job, um, new seat, you know, just, like, 
creating bra- brackets for it to, you know, have different uses. Do you take and, it? Um, do you take it on the road with you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have a super tiny Harbor Freight trailer. It's like six feet. It's like six foot by like forty inches or something like that. And um, I'll just put the bike on there and pull it behind the van. I mean, it makes the van definitely a little bit slower because it's not fast to begin with, but um, it doesn't really affect my gas mileage. I'm still getting like 19 miles per gallon, which is fine by me. Impressive, um, actually. Yeah, I know. So it's crazy. I, I've gotten some crap from my friends because I swear I had the pop top on the van and I was getting like... 16 miles per gallon i think it was like air getting underneath of the roof box mm-hmm. uh excuse me but it was like air getting underneath of the roof box and like the solar panel that i had on there because they were like eight inches off of the roof and then as soon as i did the high top my gas mileage got better and i don't know if that's due to um like when not being able to you know go under anything like i wonder if just like the air you know the pro like the airstream profile has gotten a lot better um because it kind of makes no sense because we literally just took a box and put it on top of a brick and now you're getting better gas mileage yeah exactly so i mean like i don't know i honestly have no no understanding of why that is um but i mean it works out for me what is a What's your end game? Like, do you eventually want to settle down in one place and, and buy some land, or do you want to do this as long as you possibly can? I mean, yeah, that's that's like such a tough question because I'm such a uh, like right in the moment type of thinker. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really plan anything out, um, you know, too intensely. Like the horse trip was like pretty crazy for me to plan that out, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, eventually what I'm looking to do is buy a plot of land literally in the middle of nowhere, go out to it and just homestead and um, try to live off of the land and, you know, find a way to generate income out there, whether it's like fur trading or, um, you know, like, I don't know, just making things. Anything. Um, yeah, exactly. Just but like really not focus on money at all because you know, like money doesn't really bring anything, um, of value to my life. And so, uh, just go out, get a piece, get a piece of land, hopefully find a lady that I can, you know, do all of that with and just, you know, settle down and live the rest of my life in the woods with a rifle and, um, you know, just do my own thing. It's like, I don't, I don't really care for like materialistic possessions, you know, mm-hmm. but the things I do have, I care about a lot, you know, just yeah. because it's such a minuscule amount of things. Like I'm sure that everything I own would fit in a corner in the smallest room of your house. <laughs> um, you know, like it's just, it's really weird. Cause when you pull everything out of the van, you just see that you own practically nothing. That's kind of good though. That's kind of, it's, there's a hoarding problem in America, and uh, I mean, for you to not be part of the problem, you should be proud of that. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. <laughs> I, uh, dude, I hoard shit all the time. Like, 
I literally find like a fucking t-shirt from like when I was in middle school and I'm like, why am I fucking holding on to this? Yeah, and then you try to throw it away and you're like, ah, dude, I should probably keep that all yeah, wet. Yeah, I'm like, oh, soon. fuck, I'll give, it to, I'll give it to my daughter one day. Um, yeah, yeah. When, she, when she's old enough to wear this, I'll give it to her, <laughs> which is which is there for, you know, fucking locking that shirt into your existence for like the next 16 years. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then one day she's going to throw it away and I'm going to say, hey, whatever happened to that shirt? Oh, I threw it away. And then you just have like a fucking breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. What, uh... So for everybody listening, man, what's your what's your message to them? What is your your final send-off? Man, can I have a second to think on that one? You absolutely can. Um, while you're thinking on that, I'm going to plug my sponsor, Phone Soap. Go to phonesoap.com. Use the code TAKEDOWN and get 10% off your order. Uh, phone Soap is... Essentially, it's a box, and it will charge your phone and clean it. It'll sanitize it 99.9%, so about the same as Germex, but it uses UV ray lights. So, go to Phone Soap, uh, use the code TAKEDOWN, get 10% off of your order. I always got to plug those guys because they send me money. Right. <laughs> I understand that. Which is very awesome. I mean, right. <laughs> Do you have sponsors you want to plug? No, 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 man. I'll just I'll leave you with yours. Um, but if I had to leave, you know, the people listening with anything, it would be, you know, if you're on the edge about taking the leap and doing something that's different than what you're used to or something that would make you uncomfortable, um, just go for it. You know, when people take the leap of faith, things will always work out. Like, I just can't explain how many times I've been in a really uncomfortable situation or not stoked on what's going on and, you know, had something that I need to do and I just like go for it. And then, you know, like I meet a bunch of crazy people who help me find my way to, you know, like whatever my goal is. Um, and to just honestly not, not take anybody's opinion of what you're doing too seriously because um, overall or like, you know, after all, you're kind of like, the you know you create your own life and um what you want it to be and so you know if i could just tell anybody anything it's like just go for it dude and um things will work out for you that's so rad dude i absolutely love it and i absolutely appreciate you coming on here and and telling me a little bit more about your life and uh yeah absolutely dude i hope i hope that you continue to document your life and, and everything that you get into because i'm like i'm not bullshitting you dude you are one of my favorite people to follow um on social media and on youtube i, I went back the other day actually and, and watched a couple of your videos man you need to post more by the way yeah i know man i'm so i'm i'm super bad at that i'm trying to get better at you know spending more time doing that that's it's kind of like the lazy side of me where I'm like, oh, man, like I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. And I don't want to like impede on this feeling, you know, um, but I recognize that, you know, maybe I can help somebody make a big move that's going to like change their life, you know, or might not even change their life, but just like create some positivity within their life. And I, you know, I want to be somebody that helps, um, you know, like perpetrate a step in that direction for anybody so definitely like note taken and you know i'll be 
you know, stepping that up and doing more, more stuff with video and posting more on YouTube. Cause I just hit a thousand subscribers the other day. I think I have like six or seven videos. So, um, it would be really cool to just continue sharing on YouTube and see what comes of it. If, uh, if you want to find Trey on, uh, on YouTube, type in Trey Fry, T-R-E-Y-F-R-Y-E, um, and it'll take you to his page. He has a couple videos up of the van. Um, if you go to his Instagram, at Fry's Van, uh, he has, like, a couple really good pictures from actually not too long ago. I was looking at one from, like, April that had, like, kind of the inside um, of the van. Right. It looks super cool. Um I it's been a really pleasure. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, man. I I cannot yeah. I cannot get over this, man. This has been one of the coolest podcasts I've done, man, because I'm such a, a, such a <laughs> huge fan. Yeah, dude. No, absolutely. I mean, this is the first podcast that I've partaken on. Um, you know, like as you kind of saw, like I'm awful at getting back to people on things, <laughs> and so um, and and that's kind of like a reason that this is the first podcast that I've ever been on. So, um, you know, send me that, send me the link to this man and I'd love to share it and let people listen to it and, um, hopefully, you know, push some people towards you and I don't know, man, like this whole podcast thing is actually kind of cool. I don't even really listen to podcasts, but this is fun. Dude, it it is, man. It's super cool. And and you have, you have story upon story. You got to tell them, man. You got to tell them. You are an interesting person (laughs) to talk to. (laughs) I appreciate that, man. I and I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. All right, brother. You have a good night. Yeah. Thank you.